This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we'll be talking about the Texas Rangers. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio by David Moore. And on the line from Arizona, uh, a guy who needs no introduction and, and will get none, uh, Evan Grant. Hi, Evan. How's it going? It's good, Kevin. I'm just uh, I'm getting into mid, uh, mid-spring training form by sitting in some traffic on Bell Road. There's traffic even this time of year? Kevin, there's traffic at every moment of every day on this hell portal. Hell portal. <laughs> That's a little rough, a little, a little harsh uh, to say that. So tell everybody why you are in Surprise in a hell portal. Yeah. Um, oh, the general manager meetings are going on here, and uh, I was uh, – I've been at the general manager meetings, and then today I went over to Surprise to see uh, the Rangers' new construction project. I, I tell you what, maybe this team doesn't sign a whole bunch of players, but woo, they can build some buildings. What What are they building buildings for? Well, they have uh, they are in the final stages of a uh, a dorm uh, pro, a dorm project that can house up to 120, um, and really, if they want to, they can put a few more in there, uh, players during spring training and extended spring and into the Arizona Summer League. Um, and they're, they're also putting together a sports performance lab out there, which uh, during my tour I was not permitted to see, so we will be calling this Area 51. But um, they are taking more of an active role in – the housing of their players and and kind of the uh, the care and feeding of their youngest minor leaguers, which I think only makes some sense, and it's something the Dodgers did, you know, as far back as 1947 in, in Vero Beach, but nobody else seems to have wanted to do it. So you're saying that Elvis and Ruggie and Joey are all going to be uh, bunking together next spring? No, I said their youngest players. Oh, so this would be their 18 and 19 year olds, the kids who have been staying in. A Days Inn or a Hampton Inn or, you know, in staying six or eight to a house somewhere, these kids will, will have what amounts to a, a two-bedroom apartment to share. What what does the morning news suite look like in that well, new we setting? we don't have a suite there. Oh, yeah, okay. No, we always just find a house, and Evan gets us a house. Like the year he got us the one where the uh, the furnace came on instead of the air conditioner, <laughs> and it was 120 <laughs> degrees in there when we came home one night. I thought the place was on fire when I 
When I put my hand on the doorknob, it's one of those things you're not supposed you to. You can't. Yeah. You're not supposed to open the door when you feel that kind of heat. This was, if it had been that movie Backdraft with, you know, who was in that movie? Anyway, I felt like that's what was going to happen. I was going to open that door, and then all of a sudden a big rush of flames was going to come out. It turns out it was just the furnace. So anyway, uh, no, we stay in really deluxe accommodations out there in, uh, in Surprise. It's always the best. Plus, I haven't been there that much, so that works out good for you. Wow. Oh, it's a Zing. joke. Evan, are you still there? I'm here. I'm just listening to you guys, uh, your banter. Banter. <laughs> okay. So, Evan, you wrote for us uh, in, uh, uh, in your first uh, column out of the box there at the GM meetings that uh, – so now everything's just wide open. The Rangers are going to sign – they're going to sign Garrett Cole and Anthony Rendon. Open the checkbook. Uh, and that uh, they're going all in on this next season. Did I, did I get that wrong? Uh, slightly. Um, but I, I do think it was significant that John Daniels last night um, made it very clear that this, this team is open to playing at the top of, of the free agent market and that, in his own words, it was a turn from where this team had been the last couple of years. Uh, I think there's two things that are involved here. One is this team does, does need to get better, and there are some pieces on this free agent market in areas where they need to address that, that they can they can pursue. I think the second part of it is that, you know, what does this team have to lose at this point in time going into a new stadium and saying that it's going to uh, be a factor in, in some of these uh, more high-profile free creations? Of course, the downside is you don't get any of them, but... I really do think at the end of the day, the Rangers are going to bump up the payroll significantly and come away with at least one significant piece uh, as they continue to incrementally improve this team. Let me ask you this, Seven. Because of the number of players who are available, the number of pitchers available, the number of third basemen available, and these are obviously two of the prime positions that the Rangers are seeking, uh, would you expect that prices will go – I mean, the, 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 the price on uh, Anthony Rendon is supposedly seven years, uh, you know, $30 million a year, at least, at least uh, $210 million for him. Would you expect that that will be the price, that, that it will go up significantly from that? Because, of the, because there is a Josh Donaldson, there, there is, uh, uh, you know, Mike Moustakas, there is a Todd Frazier available as well. And I'm not saying those guys are in the class of Anthony Rendon, but they're, but they're very good third basemen. Do you expect that? Yeah, the, I think. What do you? I think expect? in the third base situation, Kevin, it's a little bit different because Rendon is uh, younger and um, is a little bit different class than those other guys. I, I think that it's not going to. I think it's. I think he's going to get more than seven and thirty, but I don't know that it's going to go to an eight year, and I don't know that it's going to go to thirty-five million dollars a year. I, I would think, and I think I predicted. When, when we did our our look, that Brendon's deal would be somewhere in the 220 to 225 range. Um, I think where it is going to make a difference is on another target um, that the Rangers have, and that's Zach Wheeler, who I think everybody sees as the most cost-effective alternative to bidding on 
Garrett Cole or, or Steven Strasburg. Those guys are both going to get $30 million a year in seven years. Uh, that's a lot of risk for a pitcher, whereas I think that the, the conventional wisdom on, on Zach Wheeler had been this is a guy you can get for basically what people what Boston paid for Nathan Avaldi last year, uh, which was four years and I think $68 million. I think now you're looking at more like five years and close to $90 million for Zach Wheeler because there will be, there will be that much interest in him. And how old is he? Zach Wheeler, I believe, is 29. Okay. Yeah, I don't, you know, and I think that the Rangers have taken this position. I don't know that if we are just assuming they, they, they are or, or you have that on, on good authority, uh, that uh, anything over five years is not a good idea. Yeah, you know, they have not um, – John Daniels has given out – uh, no pitching contracts. Well, if you count the Darvish contract, uh, but that was a first major league contract, and you basically had him through his arbitration years. So all you were doing was setting up the, his arbitration figures. But uh, he's given no outright free agent a, anything longer than uh, a three-year contract in the last decade. His first year as GM, the Rangers gave Kevin Millwood five years and $60 million, and Millwood, to his credit, gave the, gave the Rangers four serviceable years, but they had no use for him by the time the fifth year came around and Jim and, and ate some of that that uh, that money. So that is going to be uh, that's going to be a real challenge for this team. Is are they willing to go more than five years for a pitcher? I, I think I think that if they're willing to go more than five years, I think it's going to be on a position player, and I think specifically Rendon. I, I don't know that that they would be willing to go to that range for for Cole. I do think that would be the outer um, limits of where they'd be willing to go for a guy like Wheeler. Evan, what? obviously this would be somewhat speculative, but say they're in a position – and they they they're going to have to get it give a fifth year in order to get someone, or they're going to be shut out of the free agent market. What do you think they would do in that situation? Would they say that even though we don't this doesn't fit our financial plan, we understand we have to get somebody in here and we'll we'll eat it on the back end. We've got to get somebody now. Or would they stay true to kind of what their blue financial blueprint is and just go, well, we just we just can't do it this year. We're going to have to drop down another two plateaus just to, to get a guy to, to fill a spot. Well, I think if it's um, I, I I think if you're talking about just adding one guy, I think there's going to be more flexibility. Clearly, David, but uh, I I feel they're going into this with a pretty good idea that. The market's going to dictate where they have to be willing to go. And I, I just, from the posture that John Daniels took with his comments last night and the way he approached it, I got a sense, look, uh, this, it's not that this team's all in. It's not that they're going to go spend on every free agent. But I do think they plan to be pretty strategic and willing to invest. And I think that means that if it takes them a fifth year to get a guy like we're using Wheeler as an example. I don't know that for a 34-year-old guy like Josh Donaldson, you'd be willing to go to a fourth year no. uh, as a third baseman. 
um, especially with the injury history that he's had, I don't know that they'd be willing to go there. But I think on a on a pitcher, you know, if you could take you, you could take this group of, of Cole, Strasburg, Madison Bumgarner, Wheeler, and let's say um, Hyunjin Ryu, and I, I think that they probably have some willingness to be to expand their uh, their horizons in terms of contract limits uh, to get one of those guys. You know, I got to tell you, the the names that you just brought up and the ones we've seen, of course, that are available on free agency are all older guys. That, I'm talking about pitchers now. All older guys, all with a little bit of an injury history. Not all of them, but but several of them. And, and as you said, we all know about pitchers and, and about uh, – what can go wrong? Sure. I, I do have a big, a much bigger issue with giving uh, those kind of contracts to pitchers than I do to position players. Um, I, I, I know how important they are, obviously, uh, but I know what you can – basically what you get from position players. Uh, and, and, I, and, and, and as part of all of that, if I'm allocating these resources and these funds and we still don't know exactly how high the Rangers are willing to go, I'd rather see them uh, add – three players than one or or two players than one uh if you're filling uh if you're filling third base if you're getting a third if you can get a third baseman and a starting pitcher a number three pitcher well then i i'm i'm more for that than i am than for getting garrett cole uh i just feel like if you're getting a quality third baseman and a guy that you feel like is going to be a a a good middle of the rotation pitcher i'd rather take my chances with that than than signing garrett cole Simply because we saw what happened when you put all your money into a, a, a player like Alex Rodriguez, who who lived up to everything the Rangers could have hoped he would be. He was a truly great player, and it didn't help this club win one bit. Um, I agree with you, Kevin, and I think to some extent this is why I feel like the barometer right now is, is pointing a little bit more towards a Rendon run than it would a Cole run just because of that and also if you look at if you look at the market I tried to address this a little bit last night there's reasons for Garrett Cole to go to Anaheim and there are reasons for the Anaheim Angels to pursue Garrett Cole uh, strongly and I I feel like you can get caught up in in the Cole game and mostly what you'd be there is a um, a bidding pawn to try and drive up the price for Artie Moreno. But I don't see any way that Artie Moreno can allow an Orange County kid who has a preference to live in Orange County, whose home is in Newport Beach, uh, and, and who has made it clear that that he likes that kind of the, the California lifestyle. I, I don't see the chances of the Rangers luring that guy to Texas being very strong, and you do run the risk of potentially uh, losing out on other guys if you stay in that drawn-out process a little bit too long. So uh, from my perspective, I feel like the the arrow is pointing a little bit more towards towards a guy like Rendon and then Wheeler as a pitcher. Um, that right there is about a 45 to $48 million investment if you sign both of those guys. So uh, are the Rangers willing to up their payroll by that much in one year? I think that's, that's still the big question. Do we get any idea? First of all, I don't know who represents Rendon. Do you, do you know who his agent uh, is? Scott Boris represents everybody now. Everybody now, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, uh, no, Boris, uh, honestly, Boris has Rendon. He has Cole. He has Moustakis. Uh, he has Steven Strasburg, and he has Ryu. So uh, four guys of, of fairly significant interest to the Rangers he has. Bumgarner and Wheeler are represented by other groups, as is Donaldson. Do you have any idea, uh, obviously we know that Rendon is a Texas guy, uh, grew up in Houston, went to Lamar High School, went to Rice, uh, you know, um, but, you know, you just won a World Series with the Nationals. Uh, I think he's a very popular player on that club. Do we get any idea that the – I mean, the Nationals have already said they, they want to offer him, you know, seven years. and I, I believe they already offered it to him, uh, and, he, and he just said that he wanted to wait and see. I guess the wait and see tells you a little bit, right? Uh, if you really loved it there and they're offering you that kind of money, why, why wouldn't you go ahead and do that? I think the one complication with the with what we know about the Nationals offer was that there appeared to be a fairly significant amount of money in there that was deferred. So the the present day value on that would probably not be quite quite the what it was advertised at, which was somewhere between two hundred five and two ten. Um, uh, and, and I think that if somebody's willing to give present day dollars, that's clearly going to make a difference. And uh, unless Anthony Rendon had said to Scott Boris, uh, I want this deal in Washington, I think that Scott's advice was going to be, let, let, let's play out the market and see what, what you're worth. And I, there, is some, there are some whispers that, look, Rendon is a Texas guy. Uh, that he, he likes living uh, in Texas, uh, and that uh, because of that, the Rangers would be the most natural fit, uh, similar but not the same exact situation to uh, Cole and the Angels. But I do think there is something to be said for the possibility of, uh, of Rendon being a good fit just from the uh, from the light from from the life element of, of living in Texas and being a Texan. And I'll say this. if you, Let's say, and I haven't really thought it was a realistic uh, goal to, to get Anthony Rendon. I was leaning toward Josh Donaldson all along uh, as a short-term fit, one of the reasons being because they just drafted Josh Young from Texas Tech, uh, a third baseman, and, and, of course, Davis Wenzel also from Baylor. But those were their two first-round picks this last year. But, you know, there's no guarantee on those guys. There's no guarantee that they're major league players, first of all. They think they are, obviously. Um, And there's no guarantee that they would be, you know, uh, third baseman for that matter. I mean, Josh Young, if if you sign a guy like Anthony Rendon, he's your third baseman for the next seven, eight, nine years, uh, you can always move Josh Young over to first base if that's what you decide to do. That's not a big deal. Um, So I don't have a problem with – with that you know the the thinking about uh, a josh donaldson is that he is 34 years old uh he is a guy that probably you're looking at for two or three years uh and then by that time certainly josh young is ready to go uh if if he is the answer at third base but you're not sure of that you know if you if you get a an anthony rendon you're sure of what you're getting and you're going to have that for a long time yeah and and i, I think that it's you know, to your point, if you're looking at a short-term a short-term fill, the best value out there is probably going to be Mustakas, who will probably take a two-year deal, and it probably will be in the in the um, somewhere in the twenty-five million dollar total range. Uh, so that's a that's a big drop down, and, and I think that 
early in this whole process, uh, we're talking the middle of the season, when teams started talking about what their needs would be for the for the forthcoming year, there was a thought that, hey, Donaldson on a two-year deal, even if it was $25 million a year, that would be a nice addition. But I think what we've seen now is that the actual market price for him is going to be a third year, and that adds a lot of a lot of layers of complication. Uh, where the Rangers are concerned, you mentioned the two-third baseman. I don't think you can overlook Shirt and Apostle at this point sure. because he uh, he had a really good year as vaulted into our top ten Rangers prospect. He's really tall and lanky, and, and I think maybe long-term he ends up being a corner outfielder. But, yes, there does seem to be some depth in the in the minor league system at third base uh and, and so if you were looking simply to fill that on a short-term basis and counting on these guys to fill third base long term you'd probably look at Mustakis and you know you you would accept the idea that he's a left-handed hitter and you might have to move a left-handed hitter to make that work but i i think when you're talking about somebody like Rendon uh and you're talking about getting a free agent who's uh, still 30, uh, you take what you get now and you develop what happens later. I, I, this is not quite the same scenario, but remember, you know, the Rangers drafted Mark Cachera. They had, um, they already had Hank Blaylock in the system when they drafted him. They had Rafael Palmero playing first base, uh, and Cachera came to the big leagues and he immediately moved from third base to first base. Uh, and that ended up being a great movie. He was such a great athlete, uh, and he was probably better suited for first base. But my point is, if Josh Young rockets through the system, there is going the Rangers will find a place to play him. That, that will be the driving force on these guys, is they'll either find a place to play him, or they're the kind of guys that you will be able to use to trade for the importing, to import the kind of pitching that you're going to need to, to be a contender. What would your definition of rocketing through the system be for him? What's the the earliest in the time frame that you would see that would be viable? I, I think that he's such a he's considered such an advanced hitter, and he, he skipped over the short season Class A uh, uh, level this year and went straight to Class A. I, I would think that. You'd like to see him at Frisco to start 2021. And once he's at Frisco, depending on what your needs are uh, and, and, and depending on what his performance is, I think that, you know, baseball has changed its, its approach. And, and it takes guys from A straight to the majors now an awful lot of the time. So I, I would think that if he gets to Frisco in 2021 and is – uh, is making progress, the Rangers could pluck him at any point in time if they have a need. Yeah, I think that's a best-case scenario, end of 2021. Um, all right, so have you asked anybody since you've been out there about our little theory about uh, maybe uh, giving uh, Nomar Mazzara a first baseman's mitt this winter? Uh, yeah, they have. They, they talked to Nomar Mazzara about it um, uh, in their exit interview, and they won't start working on any first base type drills um, until early December. But basically the way they left it with him is, hey, we want you to understand that this may be a part of uh, uh, a, a part of increasing your value and it may, may be the best way for you to fit here. 
I think there's mixed feelings throughout the organization that, hey, if you're going to go this route, Mazar is better in right field than he'd be at first base, and Gallo would be great at either position, so why not leave Mazar in right and move Gallo to first? Uh, I think there's there's another school of thought that, that Gallo could be an elite defensive right fielder, and that position requires more athleticism than does first base. So those are the kinds of things the Rangers are going to have to weigh, and I think it's also going to depend on uh, how this roster shakes out and, and where there might be a need, because I still feel like if there is if there's going to be a trade, I, I still feel like Mazar is the most likely to be traded simply because uh, there's not the same fit that there once was, and they just have too many left-handed hitters and not enough places to play them. The whole left-handed issue is a bigger thing to me, and that's why the Mike Moustakas thing, I, I certainly see the, the upside of trade for him he's a really underrated player just overall offensively and defensively um but just another left-handed hitter but Correct. the the whole thing about uh and i think if you look at these numbers the way baseball is going you got to have a, a a great outfield you have to have great defensive players in your outfield. they make a real difference out there and and it doesn't make as big a difference at first base. There are a lot of very average first basemen out there, and mm-hmm. even the even the great ones, as we talked about, Ronald Guzman had a great year as a first baseman. He didn't make any difference to him because he can't hit. So, to me, that the, the 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 talk about putting Gallo at first base because he can play it, yeah, he can. He can play lots of things, but it's a, he's right. much more valuable in the outfield than he is at first base. I, I agree. I, I I completely agree at this point. I do think, you know, the, you, brought, you brought up Ronald Guzman, and it's, it's a great point, because he was as good a defensive first baseman as there was in the big league. But I think we've come to a point in the way the game is set up now that, yes, defense is an asset, but it's only an asset if you hold your weight offensively. Um, there's no room in the game anymore for defensive-type specialists, particularly at corner, at, at corner infield positions. So he's either got to hit his weight there or they have to find a hitter that they can put at first base. Uh, in the outfield with those athletes, you know, you can carry some extra outfielders as defensive specialists and platoon guys, um, but it, it's the teams that have the best athletes in the outfield, they do save runs because the ball is in the air so much more. That's more important. And at this rate, you know, and I don't know, I've kind of resisted the whole idea of, of uh, Mazzara playing first base too, but it's like he, I, I'm assuming, you know, he, he is a, he's a graceful athlete. He's not an awkward athlete. He's not, he's, he's slow. And that's the problem for him playing the out, but it's not going to make any difference at first base. He's a big target. Uh, now I've, I've never seen him take a ground ball. I never seen him take a throw. So I, I don't know, but I would have to assume that he would at least be, functional at first base and then of course baseball history is littered with outfielders who were who were turned into first basemen uh that that's it's not a, a new concept so unless he is just totally resistant to the idea and it and it affects his offense then i think it's certainly something to do because if you take his numbers that what, what he put up last year which were which were a little better than what he's been doing. But even the numbers he's been putting up the last three years is a huge improvement over what they've been getting out of first base for, for several years now. Absolutely. Uh, they had 
believe they had the worst offensive production from first base in the big leagues last year, and they also had that at third base, and you just can't <laughs> you can't do it at both in corner infield positions. You know, you just can't. And that's why they've got to make that addition at third base as well. That, that, yeah. You know, I think just on an everyday basis, you, you have to be able to fill positions where you where you, that's, a, that's a hole. You can't have automatic outs in your lineup. And, and, uh, I mean, I, and, and yeah, especially for those around, positions. You, you know, we just went around the infield in our, in our daily um, positional uh, analysis looking at the 2020 season. And it didn't, you know, you start a catcher and then go around the horn, and there was really nothing, uh, there was nothing positive to say about the guys who played those positions last year because their their warts so over uh, overshadowed what they did well um, that uh, it was it's pretty depre- it's, it's a pretty depressing outlook if you base things solely on the 2019 season. Yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing. It shows you what the, the job that the starters did, I think, in, the, in making this team competitive. I think the starters did a great job. It's a, and look, there's a, this outfield has potential to be among the, certainly offensively, among the best in baseball, I think. If you get the, the same kind of numbers out of Willie Calhoun, Danny Santana, and a full season of Joey Gallo, well, then your, your, off, your outfield offensively is going to be among the base, best in baseball. And and with Santana and Gallo, uh, you're going to be very competitive among the best defenses, certainly in center and right field. So I think that there's a lot of potential there, and that's why they have to the additions they have to make or, or changes they have to make have to be in the infield and at catcher. They simply can't do that. And I know you have said uh, you're on board with them bringing back Robinson Chirinos. I have no idea what the Astros' plans are. Uh, I don't know why he wouldn't want to stay there. Uh, and Justin Verlander sure likes him. Uh, so um, uh, I, I guess uh, I, I certainly wouldn't be averse to that either, them bringing him back. He's got a lot of pop, and that would certainly be uh, a big improvement over what they saw last year. No doubt about that. I mean, you, you've got to, you can't just say that Jeff Mathis is good at calling games and he, he worked well with pitchers and he was a better defender in your mind, the Chirinos, you've got to have a real asset at whatever, wherever you're looking at on the diamond, somebody's got to offer something that's a real plus. And I don't feel like, aside from September, when Jose Trevino showed some, some offensive ability behind the plate and he certainly threw well, I don't feel like they showed anything at any point during the season that indicated they had any uh, positive impact from catcher. No. And so on that bright note, we're going to uh we're going to leave it, Evan. We're going to What's your schedule the next few days? What what buildings are you going to go visit <laughs> maybe later today and tomorrow? Well, uh actually, um I'll be leaving here on Thursday and flying from here to the Dominican Republic to visit yet another building. So, um Wow. We'll another Evan Boondoggle. Here. Another boondoggle. It'll be a 24-hour whirlwind trip to uh, see the Rangers' new $12.5 million uh, Latin American Academy, um, which will open this weekend. Um, And the rest of the time this week will be spent sitting around in a very nice courtyard looking at um, Camelback Mountain uh, rising above the hotel that is too expensive for me to stay at and um, waiting for a GM to 
uh, happen by and to say that uh, we're interested in this guy or that guy. Are you taking saying it the Camelback Suites? Uh, no, I'm I'm not. I'm the, I'm staying at uh, Jim's Hotel. It's actually Jim's Motel. Yeah, this this time of year that gets a little uh, pricey around Camelback. Yeah, I guess it does. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, no, I, I'm staying off on Scottsdale Road in a in a residence inn that's not far away from here at all. But yeah, I, I, that's the thing. The GMs come out here. I think apparently Brian Cashman somehow yesterday was an unofficial day. They didn't really start the meetings until today. But the Yankees GM Brian Cashman and his girlfriend. Yesterday, they went hiking on Camelback Mountain and apparently climbed to the top. Um, but the rest of the time, these GMs, they're all locked in rooms, meeting with agents and other teams. This whole scenery is all wasted on them. Yeah. yeah. They should stay in some place a little more remote. So you saw them at it's the top of Camelback Mountain? Yeah, it's an is outrage. It? It's an outrage. I don't know that it's an outrage. But, Evan, speaking of outrages, uh, we're going to go talk to Gary Level, our boss, about uh, about your travel schedule. But uh, but anyway, <laughs> David and I are going to uh, take over now and do a little Cowboys talk, and uh, we're going to let you uh, wander around there. Ask somebody if the, if Archie can bring back his deli out there. That would be great. Uh, uh, okay. You, now, you guys have a lot of fun talking about the Cowboys. Kevin, I will say this, and this should be a good lead-in. Your column on Monday morning calling out Jason Garrett was outstanding. David, your column was outstanding, too. It was great coverage on a late-night game uh, to get actually in print and to make sense of things with a team that oftentimes doesn't allow for much sensible thought. Well, that's very sweet of you to say that, Evan, and we appreciate that very much. I don't believe it's sincere, but thank you for saying that. (laughs) Oh, no. Never question a compliment. (laughs) Thanks, Evan. Have a good time, Bob. All right. Take care, guys. See you. There goes Evan Grant uh, on his way down Bell Road. Uh, That's a – I got to tell you, you know, I was for them moving out there from Florida when they moved from Port Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just always seemed like it was blustery and raining all the time And you know, when I would go to spring training in Florida at Port Charlotte. But I gotta tell you, after all these years being in Arizona, um, I think I'm, I think I'm more for Florida. Really? Yeah, it's just, it, it, you know, they're cl- they're closer together. The, uh, the so it's the, just a proximity thing. It's it, it, in Arizona. Yeah. Well, I think the the whole idea out there when Tom Hicks took him out there was to try to get you know we're going to build this complex and we're going to yeah. turn surprise and we're going to sure. make a lot of money. That didn't happen. So um, you know they, I th- I think they're happy out there. They're not going to move. Uh, but you know. Uh, our, our good friend, the late uh, dearly departed Jerry Fraley, was always very bitter about the fact. Of course, he's from. Well, he's Florida. a Florida guy. He's a Florida yeah. guy. Yeah. So it was hard for him. What's to the get breakdown of teams now? You know, that's Florida a good question. Uh, I, I got to feel like there's. Uh, it, it felt like more teams moved to Arizona because there was a migration west. Certainly I was, and, and I think a lot of that's because of obviously all the West Coast teams. You know, want to be there, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and and I think when you the, get more space, you get a little more. I mean, you can get larger complexes. I'm sure it's more, cheaper, you know. mm-hmm. uh, and I, and also the weather's more dependable. Yeah, you know, you're you're not getting rain mm-hmm. all the time, so that's that is a big deal. You're 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 going to be out there. You you certainly want to be able to do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I think that that would probably be the in the end result. But but what do we care about any of that? <laughs> I'm talking about a place I'd rather be, and the food is better. You know, sure. I, surprise Arizona, not exactly a uh, poof, little rough.
little rough. But anyway, I digress. All right, that's going to do it for our Rangers podcast. Be sure to join us for our Cowboys podcast when we break down the debacle that was the end of that uh, Cowboys-Vikings game and looking forward to the Lions and Cowboys and whether Matthew Stafford is actually going to be able to play in that game. So from everybody in here to everybody out there, thanks, and we'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.